thinking. I think there's a mission has started this evening as well, and I think some of you are away to the mission tonight. Um, and the Lord bless them wherever uh, they are tonight. Would you turn with me just to the book of Genesis chapter 1? Last week we looked at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13 or so, and we looked at a refutation of modernity from the book of Genesis. We want to still continue on in that, uh, if possible at all, God willing. But we want to give you just a brief rundown of where we were last week and go into something completely different but on the same theme uh, this evening. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Just the one verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's read it again. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's pray. Father, we know that you are the great, almighty, sovereign, Lord God, creator, and maker, the keeper, the sustainer of all things. That you alone are God, and beside you there is none else. And so, Father, we thank you that, Lord, you give us the Word made flesh, the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us, your only begotten, the darling of your bosom. We thank you, Father, that his precious blood cleanses us from all sin. We thank you tonight, Lord, that we're found in this place. And, Lord, we thank you for the, those that you've brought out here tonight, Lord, to Lord, sit under thy word and to worship you tonight. And we ask you, Lord, that you would bless them and encourage them and strengthen them for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Could I say there are people who are watching from France, Spain, um, Scotland, England, um, all over the place, and we just welcome them tonight. And wherever else you're from, the Lord bless you. Um, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, you'll note that when we looked at last week, we read from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam saying to the Lord, the woman that you gave to me, she did give me and I did eat. And then the woman, she says to the Lord that uh, it was the serpent's fault, which was the serpent who was behind it, this demonic spirit, the devil, he is behind it all of these things, and it's whether or not from the fall, we know Christ who is our life, and Christ who gives us life or not, whether we're saved or not from these things. Notice that in the beginning, we looked at modernity. Now, we don't want to spend forever on it again this evening, but what I want to do is to give you a brief reminder and a little rundown of what it means. Um, modernity, going into post-modernity, some people argue with each other on these issues, I won't because I'm not as skilled as some of those philosophers and what they're thinking. Neither do I wish to be. On the other hand, uh, there was a man called um, uh, Descartes, René Descartes. And René Descartes in the 1600s, when the free, thinking, free thinkers came out, uh, they, he formed the, the teaching of uh, what's known as modernity. Modernity's primary essence is to search all things and to prove all things. And there seems nothing wrong with that until you go to the depth that he went to where it was, where all things must be doubted until all things can be proved. That means your very thought, your very existence, the very 
ideology that comes into your head. Everything around you, the very world you live in. And uh, Descartes found that he went right back into a place where he then decided that all of his thoughts were of a demon spirit. And of course, coming from that then, he starts to reverse his thoughts and instead of getting away from God, the idea was that we're not under an authority. There is no such thing as a creator God. So we can remove Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if we do, then everything else falls from there. Remove God out of it, and it doesn't stand. Remove God out of it, we don't have responsibility. Remove God out of it, and man becomes the ultimate reality as it's known. And when we package it all up, it forms and boils itself down to modernity or post-modernity, and then through that is humanism. So stay with me. I'll, I'll break this down a little for you in a moment. So the idea was if we can get rid of God, if we can get rid, there's no proof of God, so if we can get rid of God, the idea is prove it. Then we doubt it, we don't believe it. It comes in different forms, manners and strains. It comes into atheism and different then formations of man's mind and machinations of, God, of man about God. And so the different strains of religion come out of it. Then we have not only those who are atheists and those who think different things about a so-called God, man's own imagination that is placed into this religious society. Then we have what's known as uh, Marxism and communism and Darwinism all came from this idea that if there is no God, then we are God of ourselves. That's what it all boils down to. Then we are the rulers of our own lives. We are the free thinkers and we can think how we like, act how we like, do what we want, and there is no judgment to come because there is no God. That's it all boiled down uh, as far as I can get it uh, this, this evening. On the other hand, post-modernity, it's, uh, if I can call it like a morphing, or an ev- and it actually evolved if you want. People might argue with me about it, and that's fine, but post-modernity comes from uh, modernity. For example, we have all these groups who have come out in recent years all these associations and fellowships together. We mentioned them last week, the feminist movement and racial equal rights, equality movements on the gay rights, LGBT movements and anarchism and peace movements and the hybrid of them being the anti-globalization and anti-fa or anti-fascists. And you know, anti-fascists are those who are against authoritarian views and they're strong central, against strong central government and they, uh, and they are against those who are, have no tolerance. Listen, Antifa was started as against those who have no tolerance with people of other opinions. Now, if we have an opinion, the Antifa, the anti-fascists, have become the fascists because they don't allow us to have an opinion as blood-washed, born-again, Bible-believing Christians. We are not allowed to have our conscience before God, so we must do what these groups intend for us to do. We must be at their back and call. We must not say as the Word of God says. We must not do as the Word of God says to do, but rather we must walk with them. We must agree with them. And it all boils down to now it comes into the church. And the church has now become New Age. New Ageism comes from modernity 
too. Now, it didn't start with Rufus Descartes in the 1600s. It started at the Garden of Eden because the serpent said, you know, God knows that you'll be as gods, small g. You'll be little gods. And now today we're hearing a lot, of, a lot about the little God mentality in Christian charismatic circles, aren't we? We're hearing about you are as gods. You are the little gods. And we must be really careful at this. Now, we also hear of New Ageism where you are God because you are God of your life. It comes now into the church and says, and it mixes to the point where you are um, a child of God, so you're a little God. Now, that's New Ageism in the church. We have God in us who is the Holy Spirit, but he chooses to reside and abide in this tabernacle. Someone says to me just a couple of weeks ago, ah, but Jesus, was he not just a good man with God in him? No. No, he wasn't. Because his dual nature of deity and humanity were so entwined together, you and I could never comprehend it nor understand it. So no, he wasn't. Did God come into Jesus, someone said to me recently, at his baptism when the Holy Spirit came? The answer is no. He was God from the beginning. And then someone says, then did God leave him when he was on the cross and cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the answer is absolutely not. He tasted death as God through the humanity that his Godhood was uh, infused with through the humanity. So absolutely not. But you and I, well, we're just human beings whom God has plucked from the dunghill who God has came and rescued from the depravity of our human nature and brought us for our sin because his son paid our debt. And you and I, you and I are just sinners saved by grace, yet we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And we are sealed with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, until the day of redemption. Now I notice this. Modernity is the, the central theme of it was emancipation from what they would say religion especially the repudiation of Bible-believing Christianity. If you can get those Bible believers to unbelief, if you can get those Bible believers to doubt the Word of God, if you can get those, what they call as those fundamentalists, and listen, someone calls me a fundamentalist in these last days, I take it as a compliment. People think that they're slurring us. They're slurring me when they say, you're too hard, you're a fundamentalist, you're too straight with it, you're too much into it. These are the things they say. Well, if I am, then I'm too far into Christ and I'm never going to be lost. <laughs> in fact, Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Fundamentalism is not a slur on the Bible-believing Christian, but rather it's a badge of honor to wear. That we believe the word of God is true from cover to cover, and we believe Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 in the beginning, God. And he created the heavens and the earth. Now, post-modernity flows out where now in recent years you've seen all of these groups and we see the greens and you know, the, the hug the tree parties and all this sort of stuff. Now, listen, I'm all for keeping the trees in green spaces and areas. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for that. We see the, the, the alliance and the liberals and all that sort of stuff coming together. And even though they have so many things that are against one another, the common core and theme is this, humanism, which comes from modernity teaching. 
And then, as Rufus Tiscarts mentioned, whom we said last week, Rufus Tiscarts, he finds himself, he says, I have been driven by a demonic spirit. <laughs> You're right, Mr. Tiscarts. So is your methodology, and your methodology was driven by the serpent who was in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And he's still a liar and he's still a murderer this very day. And he is taking millions and millions of souls to hell, to a lost eternity. So what we want to look at, first of all, that's just a little recap of this. And what we want to look at, first of all, is from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. If this is not true, we think of those like of atheism and so on. We want to see what the Bible says, just a little about God and his creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 verse 1. And so the book of beginnings or the seedbed of the Bible, you know what your flower beds are like and you put the seeds down. If birds come and lift those seeds, nothing's going to grow, isn't that right? Well, that's going to happen in the Bible. If we can destroy the seabed and the seabed of the Bible causes all the lovely fruit of the doctrines of Christ and his claims. It takes a, the seabed of the Bible and all the wonderful prophecies of the word of God. And if they can just pick away, there is no God. There is no God. And so we start to think, well, maybe there isn't a God. Start to doubt. And it comes into Christianity and the New Ageism into ecumenism. See, folks, just this very day, someone offered me something to try and read out this morning. And I read it, and it was healing the land, but what they didn't realize, it's full of ecumenists. And I told them, I won't even read it out from a pulpit, I'm sorry. And I won't advise you to go either. It's not because we hate people. It's because we have no option because we believe in the word of God. We believe in the, the, the full divine inspiration of the Bible we have in our hands. And, and if we start by doing one thing, I mentioned to someone else about something else just before the meeting started tonight. And I said, listen, and I was in jest in a way. <laughs> said in a way. And I said, look, one little drip into the ship will eventually sink it. Let's not allow the ship to sink. Notice this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this, first of all, if you're taking notes, this, first of all, refutes atheism. Coming from all of the springs from modernity, way in the garden now. But it refutes atheism because the Bible says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. I have a, a wristwatch on. Alison bought me this. can't remember what she bought me it for, but she bought me it. And I look at it, and there's a, there's a second hand going around, and it's telling me in this that it's 20 to 7. 
And inside of that, I know there's little cogs and wheels going round and round. And I know if I said, do you know what? It just appeared out of nothing. Or it just appeared out of a few bits of metal. And look what formed. It took it millions of years, but look what formed. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. And yet the atheist says this to you and I. The, the Darwinist tells us of evolution. We'll talk about it in a minute. But the atheist says this to you and I. There is no God. All of this happened without a creator, without a maker. All of this just happened. Uh, and it, here we are. We evolved over the billions of years or whatever now they put on it. Yet in the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the supreme being, our Father God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The stars and the moon that we see, everything in orbit and its line, everything even up to uh, uh, so many inches and feet, if they moved away, there would be chaos throughout the heavens, yet they all stay in orbit because he upholds all things by the word of his own power. And so we, we believe with all of our heart that God has created the heavens and the earth. So when the atheist comes and the atheist says, there is no God, then go outside and say, then please explain this, for if you're going to tell me that it's easier to, to understand, to say that we evolved over billions or whatever it is, many years that they keep trying to come up with, uh, and all of these things just happen, then, friend, I would rather say here in the Word of God, which is inspired by God, this is what I believe with all my heart. But they may say, you know, this is just a book. This Bible you have is just a book and it's written by men. And you believe it. Well, we could just turn around and say, your textbooks are just books written by men. And just believe it. The difference is you have to keep amending yours. This book here was written over a period of almost 2,000 years, 40 authors, and it still stands the test of time. It is more up to date than the Belfast Telegraph, than the Bambridge Chronicle and the Lurgan Mail. This is more up to date than your social media, and of course it was all told before it even happened. Now, let your textbooks speak. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The proof is that when we go outside and you go outside at night, whether it's the moon at night or in the stars or whether it's the sun during the day, you can be assured that God says, this is my glory, I created it all. Speaks to us that there is a God and one day we will stand before him. But in, in modernity, the idea is if we can even remove from our hearts and our minds any thought that there is a God, then we'll find that we can live how we like and we can say what we want and we can do what we like. Of course, we do have evolutionism and all those things come in. But here's the thing. Charles Darwin, I would love to sit him down and say to him, would you tell me, Mr. Darwin, here is a monkey. Not pointing to you, Billy, I'm saying, here is a monkey. <laughs> He knows I'm joking. Here is a monkey. So we had a real life monkey. Here is a monkey, Mr. Darwin, and here is a human, a real life human. 
Now here's one and here's the other. And here's one and here's the other. Mr. Darwin, can you try and show me the in-between? When did they stop evolving? Where is the stages of evolution that are missing? Should your theory be right? Please show me that, that people call it a missing link. It's greater than a missing link because it is a time scale of where a monkey maybe became less hurry. I don't know what they did. Maybe a less hurry and walked a little bit more upright and maybe a little less hurry and more upright until you got some hurry upright, some of you guys. (laughs) But where is the in-between? Never once, never once has been found. And listen, if it's evolution or evolution, it should be still in progress today. When did it stop? Survival of the fittest. You know what Alf Hitler used to read Darwin? You know what's why the Nazis would have took the little children who were disabled and slaughtered them? Survival of the fittest. Do you know what group believes in survival of the fittest and they don't even realize it, many of them? The abortionists. Survival of the fittest. You see, though, it's in society. It's throughout society. And we are living in a church. We're in the middle of it all. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, David says, When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou shouldest think upon him? So when we look at it, the Bible Right at the beginning, modernity, post-modernity says remove God. Do you know how far it comes to removing God that it comes into then people, if we can't have the one true living God, then what we'll do is we'll divide God up into many gods. And that destroys the true ideology and revelation of God. So it refutes atheism. Secondly, moving quickly, it refutes pantheism. Pantheism. In other words, where God is transcendent above that which he has created, but then what you get is every people say God is in everything. So God is in a tree. God is in stonework. My God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once, all at the same time. He is the great ever-living spirit, but he is not in this pulpit, in this middle of this pulpit. He is transcendently higher and greater than this. He is not in the brickwork or the earthwork or the rocks of the world that we live in and the earth that we walk on. He is transcendently greater and higher than it all. Yet he's everywhere. He's everywhere. And so they say pantheism, God is in the trees and God is here and and God is there and God consists of everyone and everything and God is in all things. So we worship trees and clumps of trees. Cut them down and do things with the trees and start to make things with them. Stonework and all the idols start to come from it. Idolatry comes from it. Because, you see, in man's mentality, the whole part of the modernity is that we are the God of our own mind, our own thinking, so we can make the God of our own believing. 
That's happened from way before Rufus Descartes, but he formulated it. It came in 1931 and was put into a more of a format and it was sent out across the world. Now society has been drinking it right in. For example, Hindus and Buddhists in the East would be pantheistic. They believe that God is in all. Notice, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's what it says in the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It doesn't say from the beginning, God is in the heaven and the earth. He dwells in the heavens, but even the very heavens which he has uh, created, he is transcendently greater than that again. We can never know the depths of God. So we take the worship of this, of nature, of trees and of stones, etc. And the fundamental teaching of pantheism is that humans must master their own ignorance. Now listen, this is important for this. That humans must master their own ignorance and recognize that they are God. In other words, they're little gods. And as society says, be your own God attitude. And so we have it coming into the church. We have it in our midst. So the word of God tells us that God is transcendently greater than higher than his creation. Listen to the word of God, Psalm 113 and verse 5. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? transcendently higher and greater. Isaiah 46 and verse 18. Listen to what the Lord asked the prophet. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? And this is what man does. Man then becomes his own God and he starts to fashion that which is in his own mind. And he puts it into a statue or into a tree and he carves it out. And the Lord says, listen, they have ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, they can't see. They have hands, but they can't help. They have feet and they can't walk. And yet you worship them, he says. We see it in Roman Catholic churches. We see it in some Protestant denominations. And the Lord says, who would you liken to me? And Israel in Exodus 32 made a golden calf. These be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Put one in Dan and one in Bethel. And they all went to worship at the golden calf. You see, in their mind, they created, I am the creator now. And I have made my creation, which is this idol you are God who brought me out. That has now went into society where God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't uh, bring judgment into the nation. God wouldn't have you stand before him and give an account. God wouldn't do this and God wouldn't do that. And I think God is like this. And it comes into the Christian church. You're not Christ-like because God would like, not like you to say those things and do those things. And Christ on two occasions whipped them out of the temple. Christ like enough for you, maybe? <laughs> Think about it. The imagination of men and women now, they become the God. 
And God is now their creation, that is their own mentality of who they think God is. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So first of all, it refutes atheism. Secondly, it refutes pantheism. And thirdly, it refutes polytheism. Polytheism, that is the belief in more than one God. One God, Elohim. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heaven and the earth. Now, the term Elohim, it'd be worthwhile you'd do a study on it because at one point there's even some judges are called Elohim. And even uh, others throughout Scripture are called Elohim, and they're not God. It gives the idea of, of the authoritative rule. But here speaking as referring to deity, in the beginning, God or Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Uni plural noun is the word Elohim. So Elohim is one, yet plural. Now we know God has revealed to us in the Scripture as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But God has revealed at creation too. And throughout Israel's life and formation from Abraham, right to this moment, a cloud of fire and a a, 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 pardon me, a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud and, and, and manifestation of a burning bush and, and many other things, a theophany of the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, pre-Bethlehem. So many manifestations uh, of God are known, the Elohim creator. But because he's, remember, because he's higher above his creation, his creation cannot know who he is except he bring revelation to them. So you and I cannot know who God is save God come and reveal himself unto us. The highest revelation of God was the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So even in the garden, in the garden of Eden, we have in the beginning God. God created the heaven and the earth. In chapter two in the book of Genesis, after it given us an account of things. In chapter 2, and you let your eye run down to verse 5. Pardon me, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the, heaven, the earth and the heavens. Notice that's the first, term, first time in Scripture you'll read of Lord God. It's been God, 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 God. Right through chapter 1, the first few verses of chapter 2, it is Elohim, 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 the whole way through. And now God starts to reveal himself. I am the Lord God. Yahweh or Jehovah Elohim. Who is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice this, he shows himself as the one true and living God. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, our Elohim, is one Yahweh. He's not many Yahweh's, but he is one Yahweh. Isaiah 43 and verse 11, listen to what the Lord says, I even I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. And beside me there is no Savior. Notice, I even I am Yahweh. 
um, beside me, or the word beside me is the word bilade. Bilade, outside of Yahweh, <laughs> the one Yahweh, the only Yahweh, outside of Yahweh, there is no Savior. Now, you see that word Savior? You underline it in your, in your Bible, and you write the word Yesha. Y-E-S-H-A, Yesha. And that might sound familiar to you because the word Savior, Yeshua, is in the name Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I am Yahweh. I am Yeshua. Isn't that tremendous? I am the personification of your salvation. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, our Messiah. And he says, even in the book, or the Old Testament, pardon me, he says in Isaiah 43, I am, I, even I. He doesn't say we. He says I, even I, am Yahweh. And beside me or outside of me, Yahweh, there is no Savior. There's no Yasha. There's no Jesus. So Jesus is Yahweh, and Yahweh is the Lord Jesus. So he wasn't a man who was just God dropped into and lifted out of. He was the almighty creator God. He is the one who spoke all things into being. He is the word of the Father, the almighty God. In Isaiah 44 and verse 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Notice, the Lord, the King of the Yahweh, is the King of Israel. Yahweh is their Redeemer. Yahweh is the Lord of hosts or Yahweh of hosts. He says, I am the first I am the last. Will you turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, please? Yeah, Revelation chapter 1. Just to read a few verses. The risen, glorified, ascended Christ shows and reveals himself to John on the Isle of Patmos. And let your eye run down. Revelation 1, verse 11, please, just for time's sake and read the chapter Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega. What does it say? The first and the last. <laughs> Who claims to be the first and the last? Yahweh. Elohim, the creator God. Jesus is the creator. <laughs> Your creator in the person of his son hung and bled and died on Calvary's tree for you. How secure do you feel now that you're saved? If you let your eye run down, please, to verse 17, Revelation 1 and verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the, I'm the, flick over to Revelation chapter 22. The first chapter in the Bible, in the beginning, God, Elohim, who is Yahweh. Yahweh from Elohim. 
Now, in the last chapter of your Bible, Revelation chapter 22, and let's arrive on down to verse 13. The resurrected, ascended, glorified Christ says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the and the last. <laughs> Isn't that marvelous? This is the one who died for you. This is the one who walked the streets of Jerusalem and Galilee into Samaria. This is the one who walked the Via Dolorosa across that brook. Kidron was on the Mount of Olives. I'm going to do a wee teaching sometimes on where I believe Calvary was. I don't believe it was Gordon's. Certainly wasn't where the papal Calvary was either. I personally believe Calvary was on the Mount of Olives. On the Mount of Olives. I'll teach you about that some other time. There's measurements you have to go through. Where he had to be looking from the west to the east because the, the temple facing the east. He had to be further, pardon me, east to the west where he could see the temple rent, the field rent from the top to the bottom. It is finished. And over the east is the Mount of Olives, the mount where he prayed, the mount where he was arrested, that very mount where he left from and the mount where he's coming back down to. There I believe he was crucified. And what was he crucified on? A tree. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Bible's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. So it refutes atheism, refutes pantheism, refutes polytheism, and now I want to look at humanism. Humanism. So I have, I'm going to do a little bit more time in humanism and then I'll round this up and that'll be us finished. Humanism. You see, humanists believe that we are masters of our own destiny. Humanists believe that after this, the dust. I was reading just a humanist this afternoon and one of them was saying, well, when we die, we never really we do really have a, a sort of eternal life. Uh, this isn't verbatim. It's not word for word, but really because we go to the ground and we rot away and our DNA floats somewhere else into something else and it might live somewhere else. So in that sense, maybe we do cause other life to come forth. Well, the Bible tells us different that those who are not saved and not in Christ, it is appointed unto men once to die. After this, after death, the judgment. But if we can remove God, we can live our lifestyles, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual or whatever. And we can live how we like. I notice this. Humanists look for what is known as ultimate reality. See, you're coming from modernism again, the thinking, what is real, doubt everything. Humanists look for what's known as ultimate reality, and humanists claim that they are, that is, we are as human beings, but they believe that humans are the ultimate reality. So then if there's no God, the buck stops with us. 
Christianity, I'm, I'm talking about Bible-believing Christianity. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Believe the ultimate reality is the faithful acceptance of revealed truth. Ultimate reality is based on the faithful acceptance of revealed truth. What is that revealed truth? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 2, as I've showed you, um, the Lord God reveals himself. The God who is transcendently higher and greater than his creation now comes down to reveal himself to man, to Adam. Because of the fall in the garden we read last week of Genesis 3 and because the serpent was there, now that fall away comes. We try and work our way back to God, but it's not happening because we're all sinners and we're unable to do so. So God must come down again to man and reveal himself in the person of his son. And then when his son ascends into glory, what happens? He sends his Holy Spirit. What for? To bring revelation to people who are dead in their trespasses and their sins. See the plan coming? But you see, humanists and modernity and all of those that are linked. And listen, I'm not saying they all believe one another's things and they all get along well. No, they're all fighting among themselves and find common core to attack the word of God. And so they believe ultimate reality means that there is no claim to a higher authority. And ultimate reality boils down to the question of what is real? Because God's not real. But we know we're real. So what happens is, let me put it like this. We have something that's called ordinary reality. That's in our head. Our thinking, some things are real, some things are not. We know that. There's some fears that are not real, and there's some that are. Our ordinary reality of our life is that you'll go to work because you'll want to be able to pay your bills and you'll want to be able to maybe get a nice house and you'll want to look after your family. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. Our reality is that, that we see, we, I feel the stage I walk on, I wrap that pulpit in front of us, you're sitting on a real chair, you're really beside someone. That is our ordinary reality. It's in our mind and it works for us. But ordinary reality then carries us on where there is no ultimate reality who is God, that we become our own ultimate reality, we become the God, and we start to fashion things as we like it. And so we have sexual desires and sins, or the human being, I mean, has sexual desires and sins. They have their own habit forming. They have their own lifestyles. They have all of these things, and there is no God. And so what is real but myself I live how I like I do what I want and I go where I please and no one can tell me otherwise because there is no God there is no word and so I can just do it all without any consequence you can see that in society can't you it's getting more prevalent every day ordinary reality is a product of the conscious mind it works things out to the boundary of their own human understanding. Now, you might understand certain things different than me and I than you and so on, but generally, we work things out to our own understanding. That's our ordinary reality. The ordinary reality is what we live in. And then we get the free thinkers, and then we get those who are 
schooled and maybe very intelligent as, as, as human intelligence goes. And they start to show this reality even further than the ordinary reality because their brains work maybe different than yours. And in many ways, it's nothing wrong with that. Until they start saying there is no God. Until they start showing, showing people a different way to live. Until whether it's on a television program or in a newspaper or on social media, they're blaspheming the name of God. And then what they do is they start to get deeper and deeper into it. Little Rock, Arkansas, just this week, put up a massive giant statue of Babelmet, the horned devil goat God sitting on a throne in Arkansas. I want to tell you something because I go to the States. Arkansas is quite a well-known Christian state too. Conservative. That's where man's mind brings him by saying there is no God. Ultimate reality goes beyond your grasp and my grasp and understanding. So the humanist belief or the modernity belief is that we as humans are the reality. You were to notice what God says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we are finite. Pardon me. We are not infinite, but finite. We are not eternal, but temporal. We are not the creator, but the creation. We are not that as human beings, the ultimate reality, but God is the ultimate reality. So there are many ways to express this ultimate, ultimate reality and it's called God, Yahweh, Christ, Messiah. What do you mean? Now stay with me because I'm closing this. What do I mean? Ultimate reality is based on what is absolutely true. That's what they're looking for. What is real? What is true? Ultimate reality is based on what is true. So people say, well, what is the truth? Buddha and Confucius and Muhammad and all these things. What is truth? Well, truth is a person. Truth is absolute truth is the word of God. The word was made flesh, the person of Christ. He said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the, not a truth, the truth. I am the ultimate reality, he said. The life, no man cometh unto the Father but by the exclusivity of Yahweh, the Savior God. Can you see where we went back to in Isaiah? Even behind us here, John 17 and 17, thy word is truth. So the idea is that the matter, ultimate truth, if we can remove God, they say, then we are the ultimate truth. Let me put it like this. It doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter how hard they press against God. They're going to find out the ultimate reality when they die is not just the ground. They're going to find out the ultimate reality is when they stand before Christ. And it doesn't matter how much they think or wish something different. God is still on the throne.
when you were saved, you received the ultimate reality of the absolute truth. You, revealed, you received a revelation of Christ and his claims and the word and the blood of the Lamb. The ultimate reality is that our creator, Savior God, not only being transcendently higher, but that he is in his nature greater than creation, than mass, time, and space. And that throughout all eternity, you and I will still not come to fully know him because he is eternal. Does that make sense? Where these people are? It's all through our culture. So the book of Genesis in chapter 2, verse 4, it's the first revelation of God and the Lord God. The first operation, as it were, God puts Adam to sleep in verse 21. In Genesis chapter 2, his wife is introduced, woman mentioned. That is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. In Genesis chapter 3, it's the encounter with the serpent. Evil is introduced in chapter 3 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, temptation is spoken of. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, we have the, the sin, the fall, the rebellion against God. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, we have religion inter, uh, introduced to us, the fig leaf. Remember I told you last week, they made aprons of fig leaves. That was religion introduced. And in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 11, we have man separated from God. And in Genesis chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, we have man denying his own sin. Man denying the woman. What did you give me? She gave it to me. And Adam blames his wife. His wife blames the serpent. And you know who was the most uh, righteous in it all, if you want to use that word? Eve. Because she told the truth. He gave it to me. Adam tried to stay away from his sin. It's your fault, God. So now, in modernity, post-modernity, they come up, they can kill babies. You can call yourself certain groups and murder people. You can live lives of sin and debauchery and sexual immorality. Drunkenness and drug addiction is rife. Do you know that heroin deaths in Belfast have skyrocketed 300 or something percent in the last year? It's a culture to be drunk and on drugs and all. It's a culture. You know why? Because there is no God. Everywhere, on radio stations, everywhere, there is no God. But the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Folks, I want to tell you that whether it's one religion or another or the world, you and I and CET, we must do our utmost to stay faithful to the blood in the book. Even if it goes out of fashion, the people. Listen, 
it's still, still held in reverence and revered by Almighty God because it's his. May God bless his word to all of us for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you for your attention this evening, for your attendance, for your faithfulness. It's, it's 